We're back, people. Happy Friday and welcome to another happy hour edition of the Stripe Show podcast, where we bring you the best analysts, personalities and players in the game of golf. I'm your host, Samantha Marks, and I'll be bringing you some U.S. Women's Open preview and discussion podcasts over the next few days leading up to and during the tournament. It's not golf is not over for the year yet, people. I cannot wait to share these special guests with you today. Just that, a very special guest, near and dear to my heart. And I love that I get to share these close relationships and discussions with you guys. So again, thanks for being here. Without further ado, the one and only Maria Fossey joins me on the other line, an outstanding LPGA Tour player, star, and runner-up in last year's Augusta National Women's Amateur, which I'm sure you all remember watching on TV, former Arkansas Razorback, and most importantly, my former teammate. Maria, thanks for making time for me today. How are you, buddy? Hey, Sam. Doing good. Uh, excited to be joining you guys today. Talk some golf, talk some life, and um, yeah, just excited to uh, be on the podcast. Thanks, buddy. I'm glad you made time for us today, but we're just here to talk a little bit of U.S. Women's Open preview, so we'll get to that, like I told you, but I want to back it up a little bit. This is obviously, as you know, been a weird year in general in the world, but also the way that you know sporting calendars and all sports and how they panned out. How did you handle and your team? Because I know, you know, golfers are surrounded by a team of people. How did you guys handle the uncertainty this year with the COVID-19 pandemic raging on and canceling and rescheduling tournaments? How did you handle that? Yeah, I mean, I think it was it was tough. Of course, it's it's been a very weird year. I don't think anybody could have predicted 2020 to be like it was or is, I guess. But I think we kind of try to take one day at a time as silly as that sounds, especially with like my head coach with David Ledbetter, we kind of were always looking to be ready because we never knew like, okay, we start tournaments in three weeks or we start tournaments in two and a half months, right? So we, we never yeah. really knew. So his main goal throughout the four months or almost five months that we didn't play was like, whenever they call you, like you better be ready, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I did take some time off. I... Uh, especially at, at the beginning of when we were kind of in lockdown. But but for the most part, it was just I've been really working hard on, on my swing, on uh, my physical aspect of not, not getting injured, not being hurt. Uh, and of course, the mental aspect of the game, because I, I needed to be ready. I needed to be ready to, to compete as soon as, like I said, they, they called us back. And I think the ever since we came back to play, I've I've been solid I mean of course there's a lot more that can improve and things that I can work on but I've been very excited to see my game just be a little more steady and the things that I really worked on uh, over the summer to kind of see them be better so yeah I mean I think it was a challenge but I'm just very thankful that I had a very good group of people around me and a group of friends that kind of just held me tight and, and walked with me through this tough year. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you said, you just kind of have to be ready at any time, which was kind of the weird part, because at the beginning there, we didn't know if it was going to be two weeks or a year. Yeah, (laughs) It was pretty crazy. So I would assume that you kind of reset your goals a little bit, right? Like you kind of want to start fresh and take not not take it as a new season, but it kind of you kind of just had this really long extended off season in a way. How did you how are you able to kind of reset your goals and think about it in a fresh new perspective? Yeah, I think that was one of the hardest things, especially at the beginning, because again, we didn't know how long we we're going to be in lockdown for. And it was really hard to get up in the morning and go work out or go, go, go practice or 
talk to my psychologist or whatever it could have been you know it was it was hard to find that drive that I mean us as golfers and competitors just kind of naturally have because I didn't know again when we we're going to play and and that was that was very hard so it definitely required me to look at this year differently like you said to kind of set goals differently I mean pretty much all of the goals that I had for 2020 are <laughs> way different today than that what they were January 1st but yeah I think I just kind of started to to look at things uh again just one day one day at a time winning the day making sure that I did everything in my power to get better and then I'll go back to sleep and wake up in the morning and do it do it all over again it was more of there wasn't any more planning I guess there wasn't any more hoping to play all the majors or hoping to do this mm -hmm. or hoping you know because we didn't know if we were going to have all the majors. We didn't know if uh, we were going to have, I don't know, 15 tournaments or five tournaments. So it was more of just making sure that I went to bed every day, knowing that I got better and that I did what I needed to do. So you talk about winning the day, and that's something that our old coach, Shauna Taylor at Arkansas, she taught us a lot about getting 1% better every day, mm -hmm. that kind of mentality. Explain to the listeners what that means, because for us, it makes sense. For the two of us and our, our old teammates, it makes sense. But how, you know, how does that look for you? And how can that look for somebody who's maybe not a professional golfer or just, you know, a nine to five business person? How can that look for, for different people? Yeah, I mean, I think kind of uh, what getting 1% better meant for us in when we were in Arkansas, it was like, you're always trying to get better and you're always trying to work on so many things to get better. Instead, if you just focused on like one little thing at a time, of course, you're going to focus on a lot of things uh, throughout a long period of time. But if you kind of just focus on 1% of your game a day or 1% of your game a week or however long you want it to be, but if you kind of just get 1% better, it's crazy to see how much better you actually get um, in the long run. So it's, I think it's a more structured, yeah, I think it's a more structured way to practice, to evaluate if you're performing well or not, because you're focusing on something very small. And I mean, like you were saying, I think this applies for golf, but it can also apply for businessmen, for, I don't know, relationships, for yeah. Everything. I mean, if, if you just focus on one little thing at a time, I think you can put 100% of your energy on that 1% and then yeah. you move on and then it's 1% and then that 1% becomes 2% and then it goes on and on and on and on. And then before you know it, you're where you want to be. Yeah, that's a really good way of describing it. And I think, I think like you said, it, it applies to sporting people, competitors, it applies to everybody um, in every situation. So when you reassess those goals... Were they less perf? You don't have to tell me exactly what they were. <laughs> were they less performance based since you didn't know what the hell was going on? Pretty much. Yeah, I personally don't even do a lot of performance oriented goals. And why is that? I don't believe we have complete control over that. Uh -huh. I can go and say, I want to win on the LPGA to win twenty twenty, right? Which, again. It's something that I want to do, right? It's not like I'm not teeing it up every week and trying to win. Like that's the, right. absolutely, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. But I try to think of those more of as dreams, right? As, as things that I hope to do, things that I want to do. But I don't think I have control over that. I, don't, I can play lights out. I can play the best 
golf of my life for four days and still come short. Yeah. Right. So uh-huh. then that's not fair. Like I played lights out. I did everything in my power and then I didn't win. So then do we look at that as a failure because I didn't achieve my goal? So then that's, that's why I don't like to um, use performance oriented goals because I don't believe they're a hundred percent in my, my control. I, I don't, I can't control again during this pandemic. I can't control if I was going to play 15 weeks or five weeks. I couldn't control for example, this week uh, we're playing in Dallas and I couldn't control that the field went from being a regular field of 144 players to being a field of 96 players, you know? So there's things that are way outside my control that if I set up my goals to that, it's kind of hard to, to measure and hard, hard to achieve goals. And I think in, in reality, we all want to achieve goals. We all want to get better. We all want to see check marks next to our list, you know, that we all make at the beginning of the year. So my goals are definitely more things that I know that if I do will set me up for success. So for example, a goal that I always set for myself is to play throughout the year without getting hurt, without getting injured. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, there's a couple things that could happen that are outside my control. Maybe I hit a root playing golf, God forbid to have an accident and however it could be. But in reality, if I, work out if I do therapy if uh, I recover properly then I shouldn't be getting hurt right so those things mm-hmm. I can control so I set a lot of little goals like that of again like getting one percent better I, I think that's kind of the the whole philosophy behind how or why I, I set up goals the way I do but I think it it works better for me it makes me focus on myself and not focusing on others and or what's going on or if I'm winning, if I'm not winning, it's more of, okay, like, did you have fun today? Yes or no? Well, I did. Okay. I think that's one of the most important things that, that I always ask and that I always try to try to do when I, I play golf is to have fun and to enjoy. And I know for myself personally is that if I have fun, golf usually follows with, with a good round, right? Yeah. Um, so then I ask myself, hey, did you give it all today? No. Okay. Well, then we have to work on that. I can't have that. I can't have. Right. I can. Sorry. Like half-ass it. You know. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I need to. So. So that's kind of how how I I go about goals, and they definitely have changed this year, but they've maintained like the same idea uh, and ideology behind them. Yeah. So going back to what you said about the motivation thing, because that's that's something that I want to talk about because everyone loses that lack of motivation, lack of drive in various areas of their life. Like, you know, throughout life, it's just how it is with work, with relationships, with, you know, little stuff like maintaining your home and and stuff like that. How did you pull yourself out of that? Because I know a lot of people struggled with that and are still struggling with that during this weird, unprecedented pandemic time. What did you do on a day-to-day basis to kind of pull yourself out of that funk? For me, um, I mean, it was at least two or three weeks that, I mean, if you would have walked into my house, you would have been like, okay, she's depressed. Like, yeah, I was always in sweats, watching TV, eating my life away, which again, it's okay to do 
not for three weeks in a row but right you know like it's okay just to have a lazy day and whatnot but like it wasn't my like it it wasn't who I was it wasn't I wasn't being myself and and for the people that know me they know that I always kind of have to be doing something gotta be on my feet I'm very happy and like always kind of trying to make people feel happy and stuff like that and that definitely was not happening so it was more of like I was tired I was kind of just like sad that we were employing frustrated that we didn't understand really what was going on and that we couldn't really do anything to make it better um so it was a bunch of things that things that were happening that were outside my control that I was making them determine how I was feeling right so things that and and I think that goes back again to to goal setting like I can't control the health situation in the world, right? Like I can't control if we play golf or not, or if I can go out to a restaurant or not. Like those things are beyond my control. So like I shouldn't really uh, determine my state of mind on them. So then I kind of caught myself and was like, okay, like I wasn't playing any golf then either. Like I really wasn't doing anything. So then little by little, I was like, okay, how about I go play nine holes today and kind of, Instead of riding in the car, let's see if we walk so that I kind of start moving. And yeah. there's a pond behind my house. It's like, okay, maybe let's, I went and bought some fishing rods and let's see if I can catch something. And I just like little by little tried to get myself out of bed and tried to make myself <laughs> as weird as it sounds, but like get dressed and like, yeah. you know, like, okay, we have to go to the store, like stop eating Uber Eats. Like you, you go and cook and like, you know, so little by little, I started to do things that just made me feel better about myself, like things that made me happy, things I started maybe reading a book. Um, we, with my roommates, we bought this like 2000 piece puzzle. So even though we were still in the house, we were actively doing something, not just watching a show on TV. I love puzzles. My uh, family and I took that yeah, up too. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun. We did a couple and it was great. So I think it was just more of like doing little things a day, like not trying to plan this day that I have something scheduled every minute of the day. But it was more of like little by little making myself go back to my regular self. And then before I knew it, I was practicing for five, six hours and then coming back and cooking lunch and then going back out on the course and playing nine holes and then coming back and wanting to go out again and like, being on the move like I usually was because again I think I live in Florida and I was very fortunate that golf courses never closed yeah well while I was there so that was good I think if what really got me through it was just kind of doing little things that didn't require much and then kind of seeing how happy those things made me like catching a fish you have no idea how excited I get when I catch a fish (laughs) it doesn't matter if it's two inches or if it's a big one, I love catching a fish. And I was like, okay, if you're in the house, you can go catch a fish, right? So yeah. just little things that kind of got me got me going. Uh, and then they kind of just brought me back to, to normal. And, and that drive to want to go practice and want to get better kind of came back with it as well. Why do you think that looking at things in such like a small way helps versus looking at things in such a grandiose way like if you immediately woke up one day and was like okay I'm gonna go play 36 holes you would have never done that yeah um so 
explain to the listeners like why that makes sense for you. Cause that's, I mean, that's what we were, we were taught in college was always just look, look at things little by little, but why, why does that make sense for you in your game and your training? I think it's just, let's, let's go back to like how I was uh, a lazy cat, like, <laughs> <laughs> which like you said, that's not you. I hear that from yeah. you. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it happens. And, and it happens. And, and, I think I needed that for a little bit as well, just to kind of calm down and I don't know, be lazy for a couple of days, but not for three weeks. But I think especially when you're, I mean, it's not like I was in a dark hole, but I wasn't really being myself. Like when I think when you're kind of out of yourself, trying to do something big is like you say, it's way harder. Like I could have never played 36. Like that's a hundred percent correct. But, but getting myself to do little things and seeing how they impacted me in my state of mind. And I was happier. I was uh, more energized. Even just for going on a 20-minute walk, I would come back home and I was like, okay, what's next, right? Like, I yeah, I wouldn't go back and flop on the couch. Like, I... So I started notice that little by little, I wanted to do more and more and more and more. And it was all, nobody told me to do anything. It was all like, it came from me. And I think that's why it was easier for me to get through it. Cause I wanted to do things. I wanted to go play golf and then I wanted to go, I don't know, on a run or, or whatever it was. But I, I think it's, it's easier just when when you really don't want to do anything just to say okay every, every day i'm going to go on a 15 20 minute walk and that 15 minute walk it means that you have to at least prepare for 5 minutes to like i don't know put a pair of shoes on maybe yeah. you know like so then that 15 minutes is actually 20 minutes and then when you come back the same thing like if you want to flop in the couch again you kind of have to i mean at least take your shoes off and Take a shower, Take a shower. Yeah. you know, so it actually, it's not only that 15 minutes, but it's the preparation and then the aftermath of it. So I think it's, it ended up impacting my life um, a lot more than just the 15 minute walk that I took, you know? So I, I just think it's easier to, to do it that way. It's easier to be held accountable for the little things, I believe. Because you can measure them right away. You can get a feel like, hey, am I doing them? Am I not doing them? Um, so I, I think that's why um, it's so powerful. And I'm, I'm very thankful that um, our coach in, in college kind of um, taught us this, if you will, or, or brought us into this 1% mindset. Because I, I think it's it's very powerful. It is for sure, and I'm I'm glad to hear that you know you were able to pull yourself out of it. I know people people struggle, mm-hmm. especially in this time. I mean, nothing's open. There's nothing to do. Yep. There's no there's no reason to not lay in bed for three <laughs> yeah. weeks. You know, and that's that's I feel like a lot of people, especially during the beginning, like what you were saying. That's that's when the world was all kind of down, mm-hmm. and it like but none of us had ever lived through something like that. So we didn't know what to do, you know, is <laughs> like, yep. only thing you could do was Uber eats is the only place you could only thing you could do. So now we've got this last major of the year coming up. What have you been working on in your swing in the gym, off the golf course? What have you been working on? Have you been making any swing changes to kind of put yourself in that best position to succeed? Over the, the summer, I really worked on, on my swing a lot, just trying to get it to be more consistent and more repetitive. 
um, especially of course in in times um, under pressure and it's getting there I mean there's still a lot of work to do but we're we're working very hard to to make it as good as a swing as it can be what's what's what does that mean for you because I want to be more consistent too and you don't have to give me all your secrets but what does that look like for like a for a day-to-day golfer that's not you know competing on the biggest tour but what does that look like what's maybe one thing we could do to kind of be more consistent because even if your swing is not the best swing in the world if it's consistent you at least know where it's going to go well I think for me, it's been just kind of making it simple, right? Like I am not breaking down my swing anymore. I'm not thinking about every single aspect of my swing anymore. All I care about is how the face comes back to the golf ball. Like, cause essentially that's, I don't know, like a couple of feet before the ball and a couple of, couple of feet after the golf ball. That's all that really matters in the golf swing. And what you do before or after it's irrelevant. I mean, we see it with Matthew Wolf or Bryson DeChambeau, like with, Jim Furyk like they have very yeah. different golf swings but they all work they you know yeah so I think for me it's just um one of the biggest things was kind of just I stopped trying to like get to perfect positions or try to make it look like picture perfect if, if that makes sense and mm-hmm. just focus on is it reliable like is it something that I can repeat however many times and um, of course, it's, I think, easier for me and for professional golfers because that's what we do for a living. And we have a lot of time to just go practice and, and try to perfect, perfect it. But I think for, for an average golfer or just for a recreational golfer, like I wouldn't really focus that much on my golf swing. I think a lot of the things that get people are decision making mm-hmm. uh, where they can pull out a shot one out of 10 times and they think they can do it when they never practice. So I'm like, I would never go for some of the shots that I see, like some of my friends hit. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, of course that's got in the water. Like, where else do you think it was going to go? Like, there's no chance. <laughs> like you play once every month and you think you can hit this low slice, uh, like tiger hits and like twirl your club. I'm yeah. Like, of course that's not going to happen. So I think that's what gets a lot of people. I mean, of course, there's technical stuff. And I mean, I'm definitely not qualified to be talking about technical aspects of, of golf. But I I do know like decision making, like I see it with my brothers. They're not very good golfers, but they like to just go out a few times a year. And I'm like, OK, why are you doing this? He's like, well, like, because I see it on TV. I'm like, exactly. You see it on TV. You don't see Chuck over here trying to do it. Like, you know, like it's. They, yeah, like, and that's, like, what, <laughs> that's what Mikey and Shauna, yeah. that's what Mikey and Shauna kind of taught us was like, hit the shot you know you can hit. Yeah, and I don't think you, you need to try to be making anything special. Bogies are okay. I mean, for some people, even a double <laughs> bogey is okay. Like, you can recover from that. But if you make a 12, like, unless you're Tiger Woods and you come back with four birdies at Augusta, it's kind of hard to do. Exactly. <laughs> So yeah, I think I think for for a recreational golfer, it's just being a little bit smarter. I know it's exciting to hit the perfect golf shot and to see the ball do exactly what you wanted it to do. But I mean, man, even us that that work so hard to to make it perfect don't don't get our ways a lot of times, you know. So uh, I think that's where a lot of people can can definitely save some shots, and it could be a lot more fun for them because I don't think anybody likes a a nine or a ten. <laughs> 
Ugh, not, <laughs> not for me. What is, what is a typical day of training and practice look like for you versus like this, like this week when you're at an event or in an off week, how's, how's that different? Um, so if it's an off week, I kind of have two types of off weeks. I have an off week before a tournament or I have an off week that I have like two or three weeks before the next tournament. Right. So like mm-hmm. in that time, in that period of time, I can work on my swing. I can be more technical. I can um, try to make my swing more consistent, more repetitive. Like I, I hit a lot of golf balls and don't really like, I don't really play a lot of golf. I, it's more of um, hitting a lot of wedges, putting a lot, but like doing a lot of reps. Mm-hmm. But then if it's uh, the week before a tournament, I mean, I would rarely be on the range. I'll be on the range, maybe warming up and maybe like hitting some shots, like trying to do shot shaping uh, to feel comfortable with that. Maybe like a, a wedge ladder just to make sure that my wedges are are going to distances that, that I need them to. But then most of my time I spend on the golf course just playing and not really, I don't really take videos of myself uh, during or before a tournament. I, I don't really care about how the swing's looking. All I care about is how the ball's uh, my ball striking it. So it's there's a lot of playing. There's I'll go out and play by myself with two balls, maybe play best ball, or then the next day play worst ball. So I, I just kind of spend a lot of time on the course because it's kind of more of what I'm going to be doing the, the next week uh, rather than just hitting a lot of golf balls. And then uh, during the tournament, I'm not one to practice a lot on site unless there's something really bad happening and well, fixing. Yeah. But I I don't usually practice a whole lot. Again, I like to do most of my stuff on the golf course. If it's a golf course that I know, I like to go on Mondays and just bring uh, my wedges and my putter and just chip and putt on the course. Because mm-hmm. again, even though it doesn't matter how good of a short game area or a putting green you have, uh, on the practice facilities, like I don't think there's anything like just going and doing the work on on the golf course. So I spend a bunch of time out there, and then I would maybe play nine holes on Tuesday and nine holes on on Wednesday. Or if I don't know the course, then I would play eighteen holes and then evaluate which nine I want to play again, and I would go and play that one again. And honestly, it's very very relaxed, very laid back. I mean, I don't try to burn myself because uh, we do play on a normal year uh, a lot of golf uh, yeah. four or five weeks in a row at least for me and at the end it gets it gets exhausting uh, if you actually like I mean for me personally I can't I couldn't do it to where I would practice every day for a couple day a couple hours and then go play golf and then come back and do it again and do that for five straight weeks I don't possibly think my body is is made for that there's people that are okay with it, but but for me personally, it's just more about making sure that I'm performing. Like again, I don't really care about how how the swing looks as long as as my ball striking is is where I want it to be. Yeah, that totally makes sense, and that's a very unique approach. I mean, you see the guys on tour on the range, videoing their swing, looking at stuff. I mean, everyone's different, yeah. but that's what works for you. So coming up next for the LPGA, it's the U.S. Women's Open in Houston. What do you know about the golf course? It's Champions Golf Club playing two courses. Do you know anything about it? Have you been there? I have not been there, uh, but my caddy was actually there last week. He spent 
close to 12 hours on every on each course um just looking nice. at all the different lines that we could possibly take the shots that we might hit uh, onto the greens on pin locations just really getting a feel of of what the course looks like or the courses i guess i should say um because again the, the fact that we play two courses that's that's kind of different and, and new and so he wanted to make sure that we were prepared for for the week so he he knows the course he's very comfortable with the work he did and he's excited he's like um you're gonna love it it's pretty straightforward off the tee which means i'm gonna be able to hit my driver um quite often which i'm very excited about i love to to hit bumps out there so i'm i'm pretty excited about that and then he was saying that the the greens are big they're quick it's in perfect condition even last week that that he was there he was surprised by how good of a golf course it was um so he's super excited which makes me very excited and kind of from talking to other players uh, they they all say that uh, it's a very good golf course. That it's going to be a good challenge. It's playing long. It's going to be cold. So I think it's going to be uh, a very good test of golf, and um, I I can't wait. I think it's it's going to be a lot of fun and and a great win way to um, end our year. Yeah. So speaking of the cold, because I know it's cold in Dallas right now. How do you deal with that? I mean, there's a lot of people up north who just, I mean, me, you know me, I hate the cold. I'm not going out in the cold. I'm not playing golf in the cold. Life is too short to play golf when you're freezing. So I'm not doing it. But there are people who do it. And how do you kind of ignore it? Does that make sense? Like, how do you like just forget about the cold? Yeah. So actually, funny enough with with my caddy, we kind of have a bet going that we can't complain about the weather whether it's cold or hot or rainy or whatever it might be, or windy, we cannot complain about the weather. Because again, going back to what you can control and what you can't control, weather Mm -hmm. is one of the things that either you just embrace or you're going to be miserable, basically. For me, not being able to talk about it with him really helps. Because, I mean, yeah, you're going to maybe talk about it with one of the players or whatever. But like, in reality, most most of our conversations are between caddy and player they're not really between player and player or you know mm-hmm. so I, I talk to my caddy more than I talk to anybody else out there so for us it's more of like hey like we just take it as it comes we don't complain we try to make the best out of it and we try to be prepared with hand warmers and warm clothes and gloves to keep my hands warm and to keep feel in my hands I guess because it could really get cold out here and we just try to take it as it comes and we we prepare for it I mean I guess there's there's really not much we can do to to make it better Mm -hmm. other than just have all the equipment that we can possibly have to to try to stay warm and we try to stay moving we try not to um, stand still for for long periods of time so that I can keep swinging and um, that that still looks good so yeah, I mean it's hard. It's it's a mental challenge uh, on top of a physical challenge because of course conditions get a lot harder. We had winds up to twenty twenty five miles yesterday on the course, and I think it's gonna be like that uh, throughout the weekend. So it'll be it'll be a challenging next few days, but it's gonna be like that for everybody, and you just kind of have to adapt and and try to make it the best you can. I think it's it's more of I think how you approach things than anything else so you just kind of have to I'm not saying be positive about it but just 
be like, okay, this is what we get, and that's it. And and try to, yeah, it is what know? it is. And if you don't want to be here, then well, uh, you picked the wrong sport to play. You know, like, <laughs> um, <laughs> we do a play outdoors, and and rain and cold and wind are are some of the things that can come at us, and you just kind of have to be okay with it. Yeah. So. This is one of the last questions I wanted to ask you because I'm very curious of your opinion. So we've seen like Brooks Kepka will get up on the podium and say, you know, whatever he said about caring about majors more than he cares about regular weeks events. How do you look at a major week or do you look at a major week differently than a regular week event? What's what's the mindset that goes into this week in Dallas versus next week at the U.S. Open in Houston? I think... Um... At least for me, I try to look at them as golf tournaments. I don't, I mean, I think looking at majors differently for me wouldn't work. It's just putting more pressure on them. Um, yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's still golf. I'm still trying to uh, play as good as I can to shoot the lowest score possible. I mean, that that that's not going to change on a major and that's not going to change on a regular uh, week event. So... I don't know. For me, like it doesn't work like that. For him, definitely works. We've seen how how dominating yeah. he is in in majors. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's kind of a, a very personal opinion. It's different for everybody. Uh, you see, during majors, all the coaches show up and uh, agents, and everybody comes to the majors. And I'm like, in my opinion, that just makes it. Uh, a bigger deal than than it should be um because again it's it's still just another golf tournament and you still have to just go out there and play golf um so I try to approach them the same way I mean of course I prepare differently for a major because they're usually a little bit harder so then some of Mm -hmm. the shots that I'll try to practice um prior to the week of a major are definitely different but I think that's probably the only thing that I do differently uh, the week prior to a major than what I would do prior to a regular um, event. No, that makes sense. That's a good way. Like everything you said kind of boils back down to like, it's just the way you look at things. Right. And I think that that's something we were fortunately very, for- mm-hmm. very fortunate enough to be taught in college. And, and we had that mindset and the great coaches to teach us that. So very great insight there, Maria. So we like to close with some rapid fire questions. These are totally Wait. random. Um, so just give me the first thing that you think of when I ask you these Sounds questions. Good. Okay. Favorite golf course you ever played? Like Merced, just outside San Francisco. And you've played Augusta National. So yes, that's it's a controversial something. topic. But um, yeah, Augusta is amazing. <laughs> but in my personal opinion, I don't think Augusta would be Augusta if they didn't have the Masters. And I'm just okay. going to leave that we're out gonna leave, We're going to leave that there. We're going to leave that I there. I might lose some followers. I might lose, lose some fans. But I think Augusta is very special. And I love it. And let me say this. If I could play a round of golf and I could choose the setting, I would choose that Saturday at Augusta at the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Hands down. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Yep. That was the most amazing round of golf I've ever played. Yeah. But I love Blake Merced. I think it's such an amazing golf course. I played the U.S. Girls Junior there in 2012, I believe. And it was amazing. I, I loved it. And 
the LPGA actually had a, I don't know if they still have it, honestly, but they, they used to have an event there. So, yeah. Okay. I love yeah. that answer. Getting a little controversial <laughs> towards the end here with not a lot of time yeah. left. I see how you roll. Okay. We've got a few more preferred seat on an airplane. Window. Favorite club and driver. Favorite non-sports celebrity. Mm. Chris Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, favorite kind of pizza. Cheese. Just yeah, like cheese? five cheese maybe on a good day. But yeah, just a good cheese pizza. <laughs> I love cheese pizza. Okay. Uh, who do you want to win the Super Bowl? Uh, Patriots or the Bucks. Either one. I'm a Tom okay. Brady fan. So I was going to say, yeah. so Tom Brady. All right. How do you like your steak cooked? Medium. Favorite candle scent? Like tropical, something like that reminds me of the beach. Yeah. Okay. Favorite movie? Oh, that's a good one. Mamma Mia came to mind, so I guess I'll go with that. That yeah. is a good one. That's a classic. That and then favorite non-golf vacation you've ever taken? Uh... Okay, I went fishing um, on the White River for Thanksgiving. Uh, so you're just a fisher. You're just a well, fishing gal now. I'm becoming like, are you one. Just I'm gonna... becoming one. Uh, <laughs> and I loved it. It was like, I just love being outdoors. There wasn't any service. So like my phone even didn't even come with me. Um, and it was amazing. Yeah, just five people. And that's pretty much the amount of people that I saw for the weekend. Uh, there's really nobody out there. You just kind of go under your thing. And I, I love that kind of helps you, I don't know, help me disconnect and, and reconnect with myself. And, and it was pretty cool. That does yeah. sound really nice. I think I, I went fishing once and I did catch a little tiny one and I'm with you though. That feeling it's, is yes, like, whenever I'm like, re- reading them in, I'm like, ha, this is good. I yeah. did it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Maria, this was so much fun. Thanks for joining well, thank me. You, Sam. I'm uh, excited to, to hear the podcast and um, yeah, thanks for the invite and I hope to be back with you guys. Of course. Well, guys, that's all we have for you today. Thanks for listening to another Friday happy hour edition of the Stripe Show podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you get every episode right to your phone. Never miss another chance of hearing us bring you everything you need to know in the game. I'm your host, Samantha Marks. Travis will be back next week with a pretty exciting interview with a key player on Justin Thomas's team. So get excited for that. Hey, we're so glad you're here and we'll see you next time. Cheers. Make it a great and safe weekend. Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter-weighted designs use of high-density particles, and even a nano-transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is the highest performance ball to date with their full suit of golf balls. They are transforming the game for players of all skill levels, visit EncoreGolf.com slash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast.